What's up, Repraise Your Family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And in this message, we're going to be hearing from Sean Pierce. Sean delivers a part two on a message on serving as he is taking a look at it from a different angle and perspective with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We truly hope and pray that after hearing this message on serving, that it resonates with you and it empowers you. All right, and so we're going to hop straight into this word today. Uh, we're going to do a part two of uh, what Jordan talked about last week. And so let's pray and we'll hop in. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for the day. We thank you just for being who you are. God, we thank you that you are still being you, Lord God, that no matter what we've done, no matter what we're uh, going to do, no matter what mistake we're going to make, no matter all the great that we're going to do, Lord God, you are still doing what you have always done, Lord God. You've been faithful. You continue to be faithful, Lord God. You continue to heal. You continue to set free, Lord God. You continue to allow for others to uh, to draw to you, Lord God, to be drawn by the Spirit, Lord God, to accept your gift of salvation. And so we are just so grateful just to be able to see, to be onlookers of your goodness and your your faithfulness, Lord God. And we're just praying that on today, you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word, Lord God. I pray that you would allow for your word to come forth, Lord God, and you would just use me as a vessel to do what you called me to do. And God, we just thank you, God. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Lastly, Lord God, we pray that you forgive us of our sins, known and unknown, continue to do a work in our heart, transforming us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, listen, I, I seen a name on here. I got to shout him out real quick. Gio, yeah, I ain't seen you in a minute, bro. Uh, super excited for you. I hope the train is going well. I know you're tired. I know you're getting it in, but I'm glad to see you still going, bro. I'm glad to see you here, bro. Um, let's jump in. So we're going to start here. I'm going to read this text and we're going to see what Holy Spirit wants to say. So from Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verse 36 and going all the way down to 46. And so let's let, let's read and then we'll jump in. And it says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he began, he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Verse 40, then he returned to the, to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them for a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to prayer a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to, this, to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. That is the text that we're going to look at on today. And so again, Jorian gave us a message last week, and he, he came on service. And these this is what he talked about. Jorian kind of laid the foundation for service. He talked about who we serve that we first serve vertically God, and then we serve, serve horizontally others. Then he talked about how we serve um, and how we do that. And it's supposed to be always in excellence, right? And then the third thing he talked about is where we serve. And he's talked about we serve everywhere. And so I want to jump from that last point that we serve everywhere and open up uh, this message with just laying down this foundation that when we talk about service, when we talk about serving in its simplest form, it literally just means to help. It literally means to lend a hand. It lend a hand. It literally uh, mean, means to um, sacrifice something unto others for their benefit. Uh, service in the simplest form, that's all it means. It literally means just to help. Um, but when we think about service, uh, we must not just limit it to uh, those times or just um, an act of service by stopping and giving a homeless man some money that Holy Spirit led you to, to give. And I'm not saying that that, that that type of service, that those moments of service, uh, servicing others aren't important. 
No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we shouldn't have moments of service, but our life should be a service. That I know for me, sometimes when we think about service, we think about, well, I got to find a community service. So I got to go find like one person to help. But when I'm talking about service, and I believe that when the Bible talks about service, especially when it talks about uh, uh, the greatest server that we that anybody could ever talk about, that we can ever read about Jesus, it wasn't about Jesus doing a service for somebody. It was about his life being a service to all. If we think about it, um, even, even if we look in the text, the text tells us in Mark 10, it says that Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And then it goes on to say to give his life for a ransom for many. And so when we talk about service from the perspective that I want to lay down and we see in this text, I want to make sure that when we think about service, we're not thinking about trying to find the opportunity like at an event. There's nothing wrong with that. I love community service. I love going to service the homeless specifically. Uh, uh, but, and... When we think about service, we shouldn't think about a moment. We should think about a life because service is not just relegated to moments in our life. Service should be looked at from a life perspective. That I'm not serving just in a moment. I'm serving my life is a, is a service. If we think about last week, Jordan even talked about the foundation of serving. It's vertical. Then it, then the, the, um, the byproduct of my vertical service just gives everybody around me the ability to, to taste the service that I'm giving to God. So me serving God allows everybody to get the benefit of me serving them. And so I just want to make sure that we're thinking about that because I know that I've been there before where I'm thinking about, you know, when somebody say service, the first thing I'm thinking about is community service. Well, yeah, we can try to see if we can, but that's great and that's important, but we can't relegate service to just being that. Because I don't think that that's uh, in a line with what the Bible teaches. The Bible literally teaches from the greatest person we can think about that his life was a service. It wasn't a moment. He had moments, but all those moments that he had came together to show what his life was truly about. And I want to lay down this as well before I hop into text that we're all called and purposed for serving. Again, I gave you Mark 10, uh, 41 through 45, that says he came not to be served, but to serve, to lay his life down, to give up his life as a ransom for many. So we must understand that if, if that we should have that same heart posture that I'm not, I'm not just sitting on my calendar, only times I'm going to serve. I may do that, so I can make it to specific events to do specific things. But the rest of my life is still going to be a life of service. And so when we think about purpose, right? Think about purpose. Purpose in the simplest form is just an answer to a problem, right? The reason why you, your purpose to be somewhere, to do something, is just because there has to be some issue, some problem, something that can be greater because you're there or that can be changed because you're there. So purpose is just an answer for a problem, right? And so when we think about purpose being an answer for a problem, in order to truly fulfill that purpose that you're called to, it literally, if I've never thought about this until this week, it all, it, all purpose uh, looks like is, if we break it down, all it looks like is, acts of service the only way that purpose is fulfilled is if the thing in which you're called to do is filled with your acts of service if you don't serve your purpose it'll never be fulfilled let's take the life of jesus if jesus doesn't come with the heart posture that i'm not here to be served but i'm here to serve there's no way that we can look at his life and see a service all the things in which jesus did was a service to others even him pulling away to go pray was a service to others because if i don't go sit with my father and get instruction and be in one with him there's no way i can serve you in the fullness of which i was created to do so and so when we think about that, it kind of it kind of just sets me in and gives me a picture, the real picture of Jesus. Because if we think about it, purpose 
Purpose is a is a is an answer to a problem. Right? Purpose is an answer to a problem. And in order to fulfill that purpose, <clears throat> it's gonna be seen in a whole bunch of acts of service. Right. And so when we think about that, let me give you an example. So for an example, if an, if an individual like Dom, Dom's on here, and I was actually going to talk about in the educational space, and Dom is right here. She just pulled in. And so if we think about Dom, Dom in the educational space is a teacher, right? Well, every teacher, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing the right way, in order for a teacher to fulfill her their duties, it's just a whole bunch of acts of service. They're servicing kids, they're servicing other parents, they're servicing other teachers, they're serv servicing administration. They're lending a help to better the whole situation. Their purpose that they feel that they're called to, which is important, is in the educational space. But in order for them to daily fulfill the purpose in which they were called to, in the way that God has ordained them to is to have the heart of Jesus, to go in and serve for whatever problem is there. Even Atlanta, she came on and she said, I know that God has called me to this job for a reason. What's the reason? To serve. That may look different. I may be in the same job that Atlanta's in. My purpose may be to serve administration. Hers may be to serve the, the people that she's talking about that's saying universe. They're both purposes. The only way that both of us get both of those purposes achieved is through acts of service. If we choose not to serve, then we're not going to ever get nothing done. You have to serve to get it completed. And so... This message, though, I want to challenge us for something, right? I want to challenge us with that perspective, with the groundwork that I just laid, with that perspective, I want to challenge us with this. Because this is where I feel like a lot of us find ourselves within this crossroad that I feel like we get a really pretty picture of this in the text. So let me challenge you with this. So when we're thinking about service, when we're thinking about service, not limiting to events, but living, but but actually limiting it as a lifestyle. We must know that 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 could literally mean, and a lot of times it does it does mean. And I'm thinking about even conversations that me and Ham have had. What we were saying was simply this: that most of the time when we're called to serve at different places, different spaces, before we go to that place, we usually find ourselves in a Garden of Gethsemane type experience. Whether it's heightened like Jesus's was, or it's not. We usually, we usually find ourselves in that type of experience. And I'm eager to say, if we, if we don't find ourselves in a Garden of Gethsemane-like type experience, then there may be a problem. Because if I'm honest with you, and I, if I'm honest with myself, no matter how godly I want to be, no matter how close to Jesus I want to get, I'm always going to I'm never going to know everything that Jesus wants me to do. I'm never going to know everything that God wants me to do, that Holy Spirit is leading me to do until he leads me to do it. I may think of a whole different plan that's actually in the, that actually fits my gift. It fits my personality. It fits what I feel like God has called me to do in the end. But it doesn't mean that that's exactly what God wants me to do. So I'm always going to have a will. I'm always going to have a plan because I'm a human. And if I never have a garden of a Gethsemane-like experience, that means I'm never fighting against my will and your will, my will and God's will. So if I'm never having that type of experience, I may have to question myself to say, am I even coming in contact with his will? Because let's be honest, family, like if we think about our, over the time that we've been here and we've been living, every time you made a decision, and every time you did something, and especially when you was in a relationship with God, there's been times where you've been challenged where God is saying, do this thing. And you like, but I just got an opportunity to do this thing. Like, God, you want me to be a teacher. God, I'd rather go be a teacher on the east side because they got all the resources. They paying a little bit better. They got all the little nicks and knacks. They got great community over there. 
But God like, no, I want you to go to the West side where they don't got a lot of resources. It's not the prettiest situation, but there's purpose over there. Can anybody agree with me and just give me just a thumbs up just so I will know that I'm not the only one that's been in that type of situation that your life, especially in a relationship with Jesus, that it's not redirected. It's not, it's not challenged. It's not questioned. When you feel like you should do one thing and God say, no, take a right. And I want you to go down that way. That's what literally a garden of Gethsemane type situation is. And so I want to challenge us today to look at this text because I feel like if we mismanage garden-like of Gethsemane-like situations, we may find ourselves missing purpose and missing the service in which God has called us to do. Because this is the thing that we have to realize. You can go and serve anywhere and, and do anything. But that doesn't mean that that service is going to equal the purpose in which God called you to. Like, I can leave right now and I can go and go get, shut all this down, no more replay share, no more none of that, and go shut all this down and go be a coach. I could probably be successful at it. I actually like coaching. But if that's outside and that's a service, that many people from the outside would be like, bro, that's a good move. Like, you finna go help the kids, the next generation. You finna go do what you need to do. You already like that. You played sports all your life. You know the ins and out. You went to college on scholarship. It looked good. And the whole time I could be serving great and God may, God will may use it. He may still use it. And then question like, but that ain't what I want. That ain't the service in which I was calling you to do that. Like, I wanted you specifically to keep doing what you was doing because I know that that was going to lead to the purpose in which I called you and formed you to that. Yes, that's great service over there. And it may not be the service in which I'm calling you to. And, and let me be honest with y'all. It's not an easy road. It's not always easy and simple to, to, to be in God's will, and it's not always easy and simple to even know it. Sometimes it's hard. But I want to lay this challenge down for us that we think about this, because what I don't want to do and what I don't want y'all to do is mismanage seasons and mismanage times that you're having a Garden of Gethsemane type experience because you don't know how, you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to walk through it. And I have to tell you, we're going to have them. No offense and buts about it. We're going to go through them. Whether we mismanage them or we manage them well, we're going to go through them. And so let me give you this. So when I look through scripture and I studied this, right, you can literally label or define a Garden of Gethsemane-like experience in these, in these little small words. A Garden of Gethsemane-like experience, it leaves you holding the tension between your feelings and what God said. It leaves you with holding the tension between your way and God's will. It leaves you with holding the tension between uh, uh, being so distraught and just feeling like, man, like the east side is so much better. Why I got to serve on the west side? It is so much more comfortable on the east. What makes you tell me I got to go to the West? It's so much more fulfilling in the flesh on the East. Why would I have to go deal with what's going to happen on the West? That's a Garden of Gethsemane-like experience. So my question to all of us is this. How do you deal with the reality of where you're called to serve when where you're called to serve and called to uh, to, to uh, be in purpose to serve isn't exactly how you planned it or how you thought it should look or given what you thought it should give. How do you handle the tension of dealing with the reality of where you're called to serve 
when where you're called and purpose to serve isn't exactly how you planned it out to be or how you thought it should look or giving what it should give. How do you deal with that? If I'm honest with you all, and I'm going to be very just blunt because that's just me. If I was literally Don't be rude. If I was, if I was really like, I'm trying, I'm, I want to say this, but I don't know. Y'all don't judge me on this. All right. So if I was really being honest. If I was looking at things the last three years for replay share based on it, looking how I think it should look, it going how I think it should go, it giving what I think it should give. If I was thinking about what I thought should be best. I probably would have hung it up. Let's be real. Let's be real. Let's be honest. And I'm saying this because everything on the outside would influence you to look at a ministry, especially when you're serving out another ministry. You will look at it and you'll be like, if I'm looking at it from the flesh, bro, I could be doing this, that, and the third. I could literally just go, I could literally just go back to Texas. We, me and Angie could just go get a building and we could just grow that thing. We could get offline. If I was thinking from the flesh on what everything else around us is going to say, if I'm looking at all the other churches and I'm looking at all the other buildings and I'm looking at all the other stuff, I'm looking at how they got their videos tied up like this, how they got their messages like, if I'm looking at everything else and I'm basing my thoughts, my expectations and all that based off of what I'm looking at, I'm not going to manage where God is calling me to serve in the way that he's calling me to do so. If I don't know how to deal with the Garden of Gethsemane type experience, I just won't. And so when we look at the text, when we look at this text, we literally find Jesus, right? The Son of God that has come to a place in his life. They have just got done with the Last Supper. He just told Peter, you're going to deny me. And now we see Jesus at a point in his life where he served all throughout this Bible. He has served in different capacities without sinning, without making a mistake, without doing anything wrong. And he's coming to a place in his life where he realized that the next act of service that we can admit is the greatest act of service that we've ever read about, that anybody could ever talk about that has ever been done from the foundation of this world. This is where we find Jesus. And the first thing that we see in this text, starting at verse 36 is, Jesus, Jesus has been rolling with 12. He's been rolling with 12, but he gets to this experience and he takes 12 to three. Now, this ain't even really important. Like, it wasn't important to what I thought Holy Spirit wanted me to share and talk about today. But as I came back at, 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 at uh, four this morning, I started reading it again and looking at it again. I felt like it's important because it's there. That he goes from walking with 12, doing life with 12, to getting to this experience. And he says, y'all stay over here. Stay over here. Y'all can come to the hill of this experience. But y'all three, I need y'all to go with me into it. I need y'all to walk with me into this Garden of Gethsemane-like experience. And it's really interesting. And I know that Jesus is just intentional on who he brought. Who he brought into this experience with him. But what I want to say about, the, about this is this.
when you think about him going from 12 to three, what I want to encourage us to always know when we're going in these type of experiences is this. You need to know that who you're going with is who God is calling you to go in this stuff with. Because the people you take in is the one that you're going to be dependent on to speak to your life and to speak over your life. Let's forget what Peter and them did. Let's forget about that because I feel like that's a whole nother, a whole nother part of the message. But I think it's so important that we realize that if we've been rolling with this 12, that sometimes in different seasons, those 12 can't go in specifically into those times in our life where we're dealing with Garden of Gethsemane type experience. I just thought about something. I just went in the month of March through an experience that could be defined as this. There was only three in there with me. I had another 10 that, that could have went, but I didn't. I went in not even knowing that I was going to need them three like I did. Obviously, I knew I was going to need my wife. But Jorian and Ham, I didn't know I was going to need them like that. But it was pivotal that they went in there with me and my mom. And what I'm trying to tell us is when we're going into these situations where we're dealing with a Garden of Gethsemane type experience, we need to make sure that when we're going into these situations that we're not trying to take everybody in with us, not knowing that some of those people don't need to go. They're not bad people and our relationship not going to be hindered. They just don't need to know about that experience. They just don't need to go in there with you. Because when you need them to pray, they're not going to pray. When you need them to speak over your life, they're not gonna, that ain't what they've been doing anyway. So be careful who you take into Garden of Gethsemane-like experience. Because in those experiences where it gets real, it gets raw, it gets very intimate, it gets very, you, you're, you're looking for answers you need, you, you're, you're praying to God, you need somebody to help you to speak over your life, to encourage you when you're feeling down, you need somebody to fight with. So you got to make sure you got those people in there with you. I'm just going to set that right there. And I want to deal with something else that, that I just got this morning. When we look in this text, we see that, that, that Jesus goes in with those three and he tells those three, hey, look, watch. The first thing he says is watch with me. But then he says, pray after the first time that he comes back to him. He said, watch and pray. And I want to say this specific uh, scripture because I want to talk about it before I get into, into what I really want to talk about. In verse 41, he says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So he tells them to watch and pray. He goes and prays. He comes back. Peter and them knocked out. They sleep really sleeping real good. And Jesus tells Peter. Could you watch and pray with me even for an hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, and uh, but the body is weak. Now, I won't even go into talking about how he just got done telling Peter he was going to deny him three times. We're not even going to go into that, but he tells Peter this, right? And when we think about this, from the surface, we, we usually read this, and I've heard it preached two ways. Either one, why y'all can't sit up and pray with Jesus? Like, why y'all can't just pay attention and stay up? They harp on, they get on their head. Or the second way I hear it preached is when Jesus says, when Jesus tells them to watch and pray, he says the spirit is willing, but the flesh or the body is weak, that he's literally talking about what they're going through right now. Like, the spirit is willing. I know y'all want to stay up and pray, but the, the, the body is weak, the flesh and weak, y'all tired. And I do believe that he's talking straight to that as well that he is talking about, listen, like literally the spirit is willing. You want to stay up and, and, and watch, but you're so tired that you sleep. He probably is speaking straight to that. But I felt like Holy Spirit, like at 532 this morning, PSC time, that he showed me something different in this. And this is what I felt like he showed me that I want to share with you. You don't, and this is a point, write it down. Write it down because this I felt like this was good to me. You don't get to see how to handle these experiences 
unless you pay attention to the perfect example. Because let's be honest, these disciples that's going to go start the church is going to deal with Garden of Gethsemane type experiences where they have a will, but God has one too. And they're going to have to choose if I'm going to say, not my will, your will, or if I'm going to say, my will, forget your will. And not only do I feel like Jesus is speaking to, hey, listen, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, that you can't stay up right now. But I feel like he's speaking to the future that, listen, I'm trying to tell you to stay up and watch and pray and pay attention because that's the very thing that you're going to have to see me do that you're going to need to do later. When I'm gone, I'm giving you a picture of how to handle these type of experiences from the perfect example of Jesus. Let's think about even uh, a baptism for Jesus. Let's be honest. Do Jesus really need to be baptized? No. Do, do we really need to get a picture of that from John baptizing Jesus? No. But we see that because Jesus wants to lay the example of how we should go about living our lives. That once you say you should be baptized and once you're baptized, the spirit, like that, he wants to show us that. And I feel in the same way when he tells them, listen, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That he's not just talking about in the moment, but he's telling them in the future, I'm trying to give you the ability to see me right now go through this experience so that you'll be able to see how to navigate a, a, a Garden of Gethsemane experience like I'm going through right now. He says, do this now. So that when you're tempted not to be paying attention, not to not to manage it like you should to in the future, you'll be able to see and know how to manage it then. But if you don't pay attention, you can't see it. So watch and pray, because even when you want to, the flesh is going to tell you not to. Even when you want to, even when you're you're eager to, to, to do what I'm calling you to do. You're eager to do the service in which I'm calling you to do. The spirit is willing, like you're okay with following my will. But Jesus shows that even when you're okay and you know you want to follow the will, you're still going to have your own feelings, your own emotions, your flesh that's saying different. And if you don't watch, you don't intentional with praying and coming before the father and submitting that to his feet, even though the spirit is willing, if you don't know how to manage the flesh in that situation by prayer and fasting and, and being intentional with the father, you'll make a flesh-like decision even though the spirit is willing to do it. Even though the spirit is telling you to go serve and do that and do this, even though you know Holy Spirit is telling you to go serve and, and, and go to and take that position and go over there to that school, even though the spirit will be willing if you don't see how to manage the flesh in these experiences, like Jesus shows us in his text, you'll, the spirit will be willing. But if you don't know how to manage the flesh in this type of experience, you'll let the flesh win. That's why I really believe that he is talking about right now, like y'all stay up and watch and pray. But he's giving them the ability to see in the future. Listen, this is how you manage this. All right, so let me get into what I need to share today. All right, and so that was just something that I felt like I needed to lay down. And so point number one for today, and I'm going to be quick. Point number one that we see in this text, the reality of Gethsemane, the reality of it. So the reality that Jesus shows in the Garden of Gethsemane that has to do with his feelings and how he feels that he's, as he's going through this. So we see this in, in 38. He says, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Like, let's not sanitize this, the text. Jesus is not going into the Garden of Gethsemane, happy, joyful, dancing around, feeling great. And neither do we when we're going through these types of experiences where we're having to battle what God is saying and how we feel. What we're seeing and how we know that this could be better, but what God said. And Jesus literally, literally tells the three disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. In other uh, accounts of this story in the gospel, especially in Luke, it talks about when Jesus is praying, 
that he's praying so uh, 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 hard and so intentional that he's sweating drops of sweat that's falling down like he's bleeding, like it looks like he's bleeding, that he's it's a hard time for him. He's going through stress. He's going through uh, uh, emotional uh, 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 difficulties. He's going through all his feelings being so everywhere because of what he know God is calling him to do. And the first thing that I felt like, because it's first in the text as well, but the first thing I felt like we needed to talk about and we, we, we needed to look at is this. Don't negate that that's how you feel. Like, these type of situations are not going to lead to being comfortable and feeling like everything is okay and feeling like the reality of it is these situations may cause you to be in distress and feel like, man, like God is really calling me to this. Like, I really got to go do this. Like, it's not the, the most favorable thing. I'm finna go to a cross and die a death that I didn't even deserve, that, I'm, that I did nothing to, to even be hanging there for. I'm finna go through all this punishment. I'm finna have to deal with all of these things in which I never did nothing to have to do. I gotta go. I thought I can just go live out purpose in this role, but God's saying purpose is over there and that, that over there don't look good as that over there. Over there don't look good as this over here. And I feel like I can fulfill purpose at both of them. So why are you saying I got to go over here? In these situations, your feelings are going to be going. Like you're going to feel all the things in which Jesus felt here. It may not be heightened to this extent because you're not finna go literally be hung on a cross. With nails in your, that, that's not literally what you're about to go do. But you will have feelings about what God said, especially when your will and what you thought and how you feel like it should go is something totally different. And you have to be face reality that that is how you feel. Jesus wasn't trying to hide how he felt. Jesus wasn't like throwing like no positive glitter on it. Like, oh yeah, you know, Hey man, it just is what it is. I gotta gotta do this. Nah, Jesus, like, no, my soul is in distress. No, I no, I'm finna go pray to my father three times. I'm the son of God. I ain't made no mistake. I know that God has called me to do this. I know this is the purpose and the calling that He has on my life, and it's not sitting with me well right now. Like, I don't feel like I want to do this, and I'm not trying to hide that. I feel like these are the most important times in our faith because these are the times that we really get close to God when we being real, when we when we allow reality to be reality, when we allowing our feelings to be our feelings. That don't mean we have to succumb to our feelings. That don't mean that they run our life. But majority of the scripture that we read and talk about is people sharing their feelings that don't it don't look like they're in happy times. The whole book of Psalms, David, majority of it is not talking about nothing happy. God, I'm trying to close my mouth. These people around me keep talking. I do not like them. And I'm trying to not cuss them out. Like this is David talking. That's how he talking. And we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane dealing with this same type of experience. Well, he being real. And I feel as, a, as Christians, we need to get to the point where we can, we can allow reality to be reality. It doesn't make our life. It doesn't change who we are. It doesn't cause us to have to go and, and succumb to those feelings. But it's time for us to be real about, about it. Like, yeah, this sucks. I don't like this. My soul is in distress to the point of death. Let's be real. Reality is reality. If Jesus didn't run from reality, why are we? If a man after God's own heart didn't run from the reality that he was going through, why are we? Why are we trying to make po positive glitter don't do nothing, but give you a moment of, of it's going good, and then 10 minutes later, you right back where you was. Reality is reality. And it does not dictate your life. Last week we, or two weeks ago, we talked about it. Feelings don't drive cars. They're just indicators. But let feelings be feelings. That's how I feel. 
And God wants to know that that's how you feel. He don't want to see you fake it. God ain't trying to see you fake it. He ain't faking it. When he came to this earth to die a sinless death, he did not sin. He did nothing wrong. When he had to drink the cup of you and my sin, he wasn't trying to blanket it with some positive talk because that don't work. If positive talk worked, then stress, depression, anxiety wouldn't be at rampant. It wouldn't be rampant right now if that works. Let reality be reality. It's okay to feel, it's okay to feel your feelings. That's why it's feelings, feel, feel it. You can feel it. Jesus felt it and he expressed it. And he wasn't trying to hide it and make it seem like it was good when it wasn't. I this. I don't like it, and that's just what it is. Feel your feelings. Point number two, the tension and the fight in, the, in, in Gethsemane. The tension and the fight in Gethsemane. So when we think about the tension and the fight, we just talked about intentionality and wrongness with God, right? How do we deal with our feelings? Jesus gives us a picture, a great picture of how he dealt with what he felt. Let me show you. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Listen to what it said in the next verse. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground praying. I, so when I read when I read this, every word in this is important. So he came with three. He told them, hey, I need you to pray and watch then because Jesus knew how he felt and he knew what he was going to the garden of Gethsemane to do he gave them three instructions hey I do need you to cover me keep me like pray for me and he immediately left and went farther but he didn't go farther and just sit there and just be there he went farther bowed down with his face to the ground Total submission, total intimate intimacy with his father. Jesus, knowing what he knowing he felt how he felt, and he knew what his father had sent him to do. He knew what the next act of service is, just like we be knowing what God is calling us to, and we feel how we feel about it. He didn't grumble or complain. He said how he felt. And then he went to a submission, uh, uh, the most submissive space that he could. He bowed down and put his face to the ground and he started praying to his father, expressing how he felt to his father. He expressed it to them like we do. There's nothing wrong with you express me expressing the joy and joy. Hey, this sucks. I don't care, bro. This is terrible. I'm, I'm, I hate the month of March. But he didn't stop there. He just didn't go tell everybody, all the humans that he was close with his situation. He went and got in the most submissive uh, 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 form of prayer and worship, his face to the ground. He kneeled down and put his face to the ground and he got real with his father. This is what he says. He says, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want to point this out about what he petitioned to God because I've had problems with this and God forgive me for it. Sometimes when we're in these moments, the reason why some of us go the opposite way of what God said in the service in which he's leading us to go serve in is because we go to God already with our mind made up. It's got to be real. God, I feel this way, and I feel like this is the answer. I'm just being honest. I've, I've done it multiple times and made mistakes multiple times. Because the thing is, you already know what God has told you to do. You know how you feel. God ain't finna be like, 
finna fight you over like, nah, you finna do this, nah, you finna go. That's not God. Very gentlemanlike. Listen to what Jesus said. My father, I know who you are. Sovereign God. The creator of all. My father. If it is possible. If you can. If it's in your will. If it's possible. Let this cup, let what you call, what you called me to go serve, the way in which you called me to go serve. If this can be changed, let it be changed. Yet, I know how I feel. I know what I think is best. Yet, I want what you want, even if I don't like it. This is the realness of, of what Jesus is saying. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. I'm asking you if it's possible, can you go ahead and take this from me? Like, can we change this? Can we do this a different way? Can I go serve somewhere else? I don't like them people. Can I go serve somewhere else? If not your will, my will. I'm going to give you an example. I'm using myself. I went through this. So y'all know we're going to Odessa to, to, for revival, okay? If any of you know, if you've listened to me prior than probably a year ago, I would have told you I don't like Odessa. I don't like it. I'm never going back. I'm not living there. I don't care. Yet, God called me to go back six months. So, October of 2021 until June of 2022. Called me to go back to Odessa. And I fought him over. I'm like, no. I'm going to stay in Houston until, we, until I get married. He like, no. Odessa is your route. I even want to go, listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I even want to got another apartment in Houston. This is really actually before I knew what he was saying, but I went and got another apartment in Houston. And you know how when you pay for your apartment, it's, so, it's, it's sealed. That's your apartment. Well, they call me one day and say, well, we just gave your apartment away. I'm like, okay, wait, but I just already paid for my apartment. How you get my apartment away? And I'm so hot. I go up there and I'm like, listen, I need to talk to a manager because this, hey, first of all, you're going to get my money back. Second of all, we need to talk about this. And on my way home, Holy Spirit says this to me as clear as day. That was never your apartment. <laughs> Disrespect, first of all, because I would have did what I need to do and, and did it on time and got the apartment. And he like, that's never your apartment. So I go home and I'm like, so what am I supposed to do then? Like, I can't, I'm not staying at this apartment. I know you're telling me to leave here. Where am I supposed to go? This man says, Odessa. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, there's no way. That has, I'm hearing myself. That's the devil. God's the devil. There's no way. He says, no, go to Odessa. So it took me a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to Odessa. I get to Odessa. A couple months in. He tells me and shows me the clearest vision I've ever seen from God. Clear than read, pray, share. I, I need a revival to happen in Odessa. Family, you can call it immaturity. You can call it whatever. I said, cool. I'm going to go tell some people. I'm in Odessa, so when I go to church, I'm going to go tell them that, that you said you, the revival needs to happen. I go, I promise you. The truth. I go and tell some people at the church, hey, God showed me this. I'll meet with y'all. I'll even show y'all what he showed me. And y'all can get, hey, revival. It needs to happen. First of all, they look at me because purpose for you, what agitates you, what God calls you to do, a lot of times ain't going to offend or, or agitate nobody else. Your agitation is do is there because there's a purpose in which God is calling you to fulfill that ain't nobody else looking to fulfill. They didn't care about, I said, revival. They like, oh, that sounds cool. I'm like, when y'all want to meet? I don't know. Let me look at the schedule. And, um, I don't really know. And I'm like, y'all just said. I get in the car on my way back home. The Holy Spirit tells me this. That was never for them. 
who is funny because I'm not, I'm, I'm about to go. I'm finna go to Washington. So I'm, he like, no, I'm leading you to do the revival. Why am I, why am I painting this picture for you? Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when we think about, and, and we're doing a revival now, when we think about dealing with these type of situations and we're thinking about things in which call, God calls us to do, places he calls us to serve, we have to understand that there's going to be spaces and opportunities where we have to be real with God and be like, listen, God, and I talk. I, I didn't pray it. I wouldn't did it, which is probably worse. I'm like, God, if they could do it, it's better because I'm finna leave. And when I got back to my house, I literally said, if you're calling me to do it, I don't want to do it. I'm going to be honest with you. I told Jory, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. Because in order for us to deal with it, I'm just trying to get us, I'm trying to push it hard that we have to deal with the fact of the reality that sometimes the greatest, most purposeful things that God is going to call us to do and call us to serve at is going to be the things in which is going to bring up trauma. It's not going to be like you want it to be. It's not going to be the greatest thing on paper. It's not going to make all the sense, but he's calling you to do it. And if you don't deal with the reality that you don't want to do it, you're just going to go with the fact that you that you got a plan in your head and never deal with the fact that purpose is not over there. Purpose is where God told you to go. And Jesus gives us a perfect example that it's okay to have your will and to have your option. And it's okay to ask God and to be real with God and say, God, I don't want to go do that. I don't even like them people over there. I'm just being honest with you. I just feel like this. But if it's your will, let it be done. Be real. This is the last point, and I'm going to get out of here. Jesus shows his feelings, how he feels about this. The greatest acts of service he could ever do. This is how he feels. Then he shows us the, the, us the tension between this is how he feels, and he knows what God said. And I'm still finna go to Jesus' feet. I'm still finna go away and get in, in God's presence, get in the most submissive uh, uh, posture I can and pray open to God changing it or God saying, no, that's what I want. I want you to do that. I'm not changing it. I'm open to it. My question to you, are, are you open to God not changing what he told you? Are you open to that? Because if you go into prayer and you're not even open to him being like, nah, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'm working on this. Like, if you ain't open to him being like, nah, I want you to do that, you might as well not even go pray because you're not going to change it. You're going to go with what you what you said, your, your option. You've already chosen. You've already picked it. If you're not open to God being like, no, I know you feel like that son or daughter, but this is where purpose is. If you're not even open to that, you're not even going to take it. You're going you're gonna to go in there with a with a decision already made in your head, and you're going to go about your day. Point blank period. Last point is this, the submission in Gethsemane. Jesus goes and pray. He comes back. Man, y'all stay awake and pray for me. He goes pray again. He comes back. Why y'all not praying for me? And the second time that he goes, this is what his prayer is. My father, if this cup. Obviously, you didn't change the answer last time. You said, no, nah, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's your will. He comes back. He says, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, cup meaning this suffering cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. In these moments, I know it's hard. I know it's, it's tough. But in these moments, you have to make a decision. Are you going to submit to the will or not? Jesus shows that sometimes service means I got to drink a cup that I didn't pour. I got to drink a cup that I had nothing to do with what's in the cup. I didn't make those mistakes over there. I didn't do the, I didn't, I didn't run down that, that company over there. I didn't make all them bad financial decisions, but God, if you're calling me to a purpose over there to fix the issue, then I got to drink this cup. Even if I didn't pour what's in the cup, what's in Jesus cup, that suffering 
it's not because he made all those mistakes. It's not because he sinned all them times. It's not because he deserved the suffering in which he was going to have to drink. That's not. What's in his cup was because of me and you. It's because of decisions that you made and decisions I made. That he had to drink a cup of a cup of suffering to, to go in an act of service to undo things that has been done, sin that has been done all throughout the generation since Adam and Eve. That's the, that's the cup he has to drink. And if we're going to be submissive and if we want purpose and we want to serve like Jesus, we have to be willing to drink a cup that we didn't pour. We're going to have to drink a cup of something that had nothing to do with what we did. But it has all to do with the service in which God is calling us to for the purpose in which he wants us to fulfill. I can't tell you why your cup has all those decisions that that school made that was bad, that was wrong for them children, that you got to go in and implement all these systems, all these different things to change the education system so that it can be ran like it should be. I can't tell you. I, I'm going to be specific. Ham, I can't tell you why God is calling you to that place specifically to change years of undone wrong and, 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 and evil and to what his intentions are. I can't tell you why you got to drink that cup. I can't. But I do know that if that's his will, purpose is only there. Service that he's calling is only there. And the way that we handle this, Jesus gives us a perfect picture. I know how I feel. I know I don't like it. I know what you said. And I don't, I don't care. I, I hate it. And I know that in this moment, the most important thing for me to do is to get to your feet. Not to tell you that this is what I'm doing, but to ask if, if, if you can take this, if, if you can change this, if you're willing to change it, please do. And I have a Lord. So if you don't want to change it, I'll do it. I will do it. And family, at the end of this, we should be super excited that Jesus gives us this picture of how to handle these situations. And he gives us what it looks like when we do handle them properly. Yes, he has to drink the cup. Yes, he has to go through all the stuff he has to go through. Yes, he has to uh, uh, give the acts of service in which he has to give. And Philippians 2, 8 and 9 tells us this. He, talking about Jesus, humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, since he did this, since he went in the act of service that God was calling him to, therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor. He doesn't just show us what it looks like to go through a Garden of Gethsemane type experience, but he shows us also what it looks like and what comes from humbling ourselves, accepting the purpose in which God called us to, which requires the act of service that he's calling us to do so that we can receive all the things in which God is calling us to receive. So I'm going to stop right here and I want to pray for us and turn it back over to Kyle. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, first and foremost for who you are. And God, we thank you for this word. God, I pray that this word would touch all of our hearts, oh God, including me, God. And I just pray that you just speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you show us what it is that you're calling us to do, that you uh, show us, Lord God, what it is that you're calling, how you're calling us to move. And God, I pray, God, that you just speak to our hearts and speak to our minds. And God, reaffirm what you're saying, Lord God. Give us, Lord God, the ability to go to you in a, with an open mind, Lord God, not with a made-up mind, Lord God, not with, with our option and nothing else on the table. But Lord God, allow for us to be real. Allow for us to come to you, Lord God. How Jesus came to you, Lord God. Being a perfect man, being one that you sent down here to, to live a life, Lord God, that, that looks so beautiful, Lord God, but ended in a way, Lord God, that showed the greatest act of service that could ever be done, Lord God, that literally saved our life, Lord God, that literally gave us the ability to be right here talking about 
who he is and God, we are just so grateful and thankful. And God, as we leave from this place, Lord God, but never from your presence, I pray that we, Lord God, will get so real with you, Lord God, that we will get so uh, uh, honest with you about our lives, about what we're having to deal with, about where we're at, Lord God, about the decisions that you're calling us to make. And God, I pray that, God, we would know, Lord God, that it's only fulfillment, Lord God. We only for, will have that void, have that sense of purpose fulfilled when we follow the acts in which you're calling us to make in the places that you're called, that you're leading us to make them in. And so, God, we just thank you, Lord God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Back to you, Kaya.